hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I'm, you know, what did I call you in episode one, Mr. Peter? I think I, think I was Mr. Peter, yeah. I'm still here with Mr. Peter. Um, hello. Hello. I think we should be gritting us each other in Latin, but I can't speak Latin. Oh, do you know, I've um, got a friend, though, who's the Latin teacher. He says a wonderful line about because he's in a very posh university and he says my career is that i teach a dead language to rich children <laughs> so what you see is the society i've no idea um peter we've watched episode one of the romans yes and now i'm going to put you in the disadvantageous position of catching everybody up with what's happened to this story to date off you previously, go previously on doctor who yeah <laughs> um so dr vicky ian barbara chilling chilling in a villa um, Doctor and Vicky decide to go off to Rome. Um, Doctor decides to pretend to be a dead old guy who plays the liar. And then Ian and Barbara are captured. Slaves. Mm -hmm. Enslaved. Barbara's off some place. Ian's off some other place. Given it's so relaxed, that's quite a lot to happen in a single episode, mm -hmm. isn't it? It is, yeah, and I think as well, as well. I mean, like a lot packed into the first episode, but still, time for just character stuff and all of the stuff in the villa and things. Very, yeah, well, like we said, very mm. refreshing. Well, I've got a question for you, but let's skip into episode two, and then I'm going to hit you with that. All right, or well, not literally hit you. I'd be scared. Um, so, are you ready to go? Yes, I am. In five, four, three, two one off here you know, i'm not actually convinced that anybody listens to this thing alongside watching it but i've been doing this for 450 episodes now so just in case there's <laughs> one person that does they're sinking it up yeah exactly now my when question is this is do you think that comedy is an essential element of why doctor who is so successful hmm. i think it's a very beneficial element I mean, it's quite telling that a lot of the most popular... I mean, Genesis of the Daleks is hardly sort of... I mean, there's a joke in it. Caves of Androzani, it's another one. A lot of the ones which are quite highly regarded um, aren't necessarily that funny. But, I mean, the whole concept of Doctor Who is obviously ridiculous. But I think it's that... I was in the, in the Black Archive um, book about the Romans that I was reading. It mentioned about how this is a bit of a a release valve that comedy was used as a they'd have a every few stories there'd be a, a bit of a funny one uh -huh. and i think they do that a bit with like rtd does it quite a lot with there'd be a comedy episode and it's sort of rationing them out so there's a i mean that dark envision of earth obviously very bleak um and um in that black archive it it sort of comes to the conclusion that it settled into in the second Doctor era. Instead of having right the odd comedy story, they would have the odd comedy business from the the regulars. Yeah. I so see. you'd have a really bleak story, but you'd have Troughton and Fraser Hines there to diffuse it. And I think that um I think you get that a lot. I think especially with the pairings that are really popular with um with uh, Tennant and Tate. Yeah, oh, for sure. It could be a really bleak story, but Catherine Tate will say something at a really good moment, and then 
um, like Planet of the Ud, which is about slavery, but then she gets that zinger of, oh, "Why'd you say Miss? Do I look single?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that it, it, it's it's that thing of diffusing. Mm. And I think that you couldn't have any every episode or every story like the Caves of Androzani or Genesis the Daleks because it would just get really earnest. And... It would be Blake Seven. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Yeah, and I think that. Um, yeah, you need that. You need that humor, whether it's sort of gallows humor that Nero offers with Tigellinus, um coming along later this this episode. I um, can I can I just tell you something, Peter? Did I not tell you I was trained by the mountain mauler of Montana? Montana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so intrigued. Um, I'm surprised we haven't got that in a spin-off yet. Well, uh, we've even a short we've talked all over William Hartnell we're having a fantastic <laughs> brawl with the assassin. <laughs> Oh, does, what, does he make a fluff here where he says, I'm constantly outwitting the opposition? Oh, yes, there's something along those lines. And, um, yeah, later on, he's, um, that my excellency would be an impossible, possible, so possibility. I was, I was, I can't remember whether it was the commentary or the subtitles, which point out that he mucks up that particular line later on because. He decides to em embellish it by saying "Your Excellency," and then he gets his, his tongue tied. Whereas, really, Spoon has probably written it to be seeable by Hartnell. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that's even funnier. Oh, look at this! Look at this little model of Rome Stop. that they've done to establish Rome. I don't know if that's like from another film or a bit like the, the galley ship. Do you know, I don't mind that sort of visual shorthand. Like in the Reign of Terror, they just have like um, a still of a guillotine, don't they? They have a guillotine. I'm sure they have like a painting of Paris or something as well. Yeah. Same with the massacre. I mean, I mean, you know, let's, let's not escape from the fact that this was being made on a budget, you know, mm. pretty cheaply. I think what they achieved visually, given what mm. they had, is pretty extraordinary. There's a shot later on. I mean, I know that. I, I'm, I'm conscious that we're probably going to end up talking about these moments that I'm just remembering offhand mm. later on. But there's a shot where it's looking up at Barbara looking out of a window. And I'm just like, that really works. Like, it's just a camera, like, positioned a bit downwards. But I think I think it's right here, actually, in a second. Oh, no, maybe not. I think it might be with the torchbearers in episode four, I think. I was reading. I've watched this more recently than you. I, I, I am watching it for a little while, but I don't always love it when I do. Um, I, on the documentary, one of the contributors was saying that because the I can't what's his name Tavius, the the bald guy, the one who takes in Barbara, mm, yeah, so, the Christian one, that, that he's a Christian, and that apparently at this point it is unlikely that there would have been a Christian in Nero's household. I don't right. know whether that's factually true or not. You're more of a history buff than I am. I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> British history, yeah. Anything Italian. Basically, do you know what, though? I'm I'm so lacking in historical knowledge that I watch these Doctor mm. Who's and just take everything as fact. So well, my... that's I think there's so many... I mean, there's. I think what I like as well is that it isn't always... I mean, celebrity historicals didn't really become a thing until the new series. Mm. And there's lots of... Um, I mean, maybe, I mean, obviously the Massacre of the Crusade, Marco Polo, maybe that's more of a reflection of what kids were learning at the time. Yeah. Um, I feel like they, they kind of, they they went for, 
like history that kids would know about the mm. reign of terror, the Romans, the massacre you know of, the of you. I think I feel like that was niche even at the time. Yeah, I think like that uh, comes across as very niche. But um, there's some other ones that I'm quite surprised. I mean, it took so long to have an official Rasputin story. Oh, when was that, Peter? Oh, well, it was um, <laughs> extremely recently. Well, it wasn't really a Rasputin. It was an element of a, a bigger story. But then other ones like we've never had Henry VIII, which is probably the most widely taught thing. Yeah, they've never, never, never really. Done that, uh, um, there was a Rasputin BBC book. Yes, with Liz Shaw. Liz Shaw, yeah. It's actually a, a very good Rasputin story with um, William Russell, Big Finish, um, Companion Chronicle. Oh, which one's that? Um, is it called The Wanderer or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. A uh, very snowy cover. That's that's another good one. Um, Honestly, yeah. where, have they, where have they pulled these extras out from? Look at these people in a way. I love how, I mean, this is obviously riffing off. Have, have you ever seen um, Ben-Hur? No, I haven't, no. So Ben-Hur, there's a, a big, like, um, like scene in a, a galley ship where there's a shipwreck. And he manages to, it, it's lift this lifts it from Ben Hur, but that is obviously multi million pound yeah. historical epic. And this is like a corner of a ship or a corner <laughs> of a TV, yeah, yeah. When they go into a storm in a bit, mm. someone is literally you can see someone is throwing buckets of water at them because you can kind of yes. see it coming from one direction, you know. And I know, um, we were thinking earlier about the, the commentaries and the fact that when one of the actors or one of the commentators gets something a bit wrong an erroneous fact that was a particular fact where i was watching the commentary and it's the the director sorry i can't remember the director uh, of the story christopher barry. barry and william russell are adamant that that scene that the shipwreck was on film because of the water and which like and toby here to tell us like really <laughs> like He's learned his lesson, I think, from previous experiences. <laughs> the worst one is, and nobody contradicts her, is Maureen O'Brien in The Chase. Um, when she's watching The Chase, she says in the commentary, you know the bit where they're on location in episode one and Vicky's oh, yeah. running over the sand dunes? Mm. Well, that's not Maureen O'Brien. She remembers being there. She goes, this is the only day's filming I remember. In Doctor <laughs> <laughs> it's not her, but thank God. Oh, bless her. Yeah, you can, you can quite clearly tell it's not her, but her hair's completely different. Thank God nobody contradicts her. Like, I just couldn't bear it. Well, after meeting Maureen O'Brien and her being really sweet, I wouldn't want to contradict Maureen O'Brien. Actually, um, when, I, when, I, when I did meet Maureen O'Brien, I got a picture of um, Maureen and Coquillian signed by Maureen. She sort of looked at the photo and she went, um, oh, it was that sweet creature. It was just me and him alone on a planet. Oh, and uh, he was my only friend in the whole world. Or something like that. And I'm like, no, I think, I think you've, I, I didn't, I didn't obviously say, but I think you've got mixed up with Sandy the Sand Beast. Oh, bless her. Um, she obviously um, had forgotten that she may have watched series two relatively recently. I, oh, were they doing the behind the sofas for that? I um bad. i assume so i think they're doing behind the sofas for most of the obviously we're speaking now before it had been released before it's been released all and i really it, want to know is is janet filled it doing it because she's scathing whenever she's watching oh, I, I, I can't i want a bit more positivity than janet can offer 
and I, I get that, and I think I, I think it's still that way as well. You know? I, I'm looking forward. Oh, have you changed? Have you changed your opinion? What, now? Yeah, mm. there's something about Janet Fielding's sort of dry humour that I quite mm. like. But back in the day, when she was like overtly critical of everything, I was like, okay, well, why are you watching this then? <laughs> you know, I think that her plus Peter being quite critical. Mm. I think it needs a, I don't know, a Sarah Sutton to go. A Katie Manning. Or Katie Manning. Or, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the fact that um, Bonnie's going to be on the, on the on the behind the sofa for this. Oh, is she? Well, yeah, Bonnie's going to be on behind the sofa for series two. She's and really. I think there's a, um, a clip possibly on the trailer of her reacting to the web planet. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe Bonnie will be very um, will regard the insect movement by Rosalind. Rosalind yeah. Winter. Yeah. yeah, maybe she'll admire that. Oh, I worked with Rosalind once. She's, <laughs> yeah, worked, she's worked with everybody, hasn't she? <laughs> oh, did you see that there? The um, when the Doctor pushes oh, just shot. as Barbara comes out. Oh, it's such a great that happens a few yeah. times, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and obviously the joke is that they never meet. So that's another joke that plays out throughout the entire story that they mm. almost like when she's being chased around Nero's palace. The doctor's there, obviously, and he just he just walks out of an alcove after she's gone running down the. Oh, road. so sorry. I just remembered. I've got on my desk here. I'm just waving up to my camera. Um, the uh, Donald Cotton novelization of the Romans. Oh yeah. Uh, which have you have you read it before? long it's letters it's, isn't it yes it's very weird um, <laughs> and i was just flicking through and in in this particular scene um the doctor sees barbara but he doesn't recognize her because he thinks oh barbara wouldn't be here oh. he, i think he spots somebody who looks he sees the woman on the stage looks remarkably like barbara but miss wright wouldn't um find herself in this sort, sort of situation or something like that have you have you seen that the target reading yes the crazy cast list <laughs> yeah. have you seen so i'm very intrigued to put to join the the readers so there's louise jameson mm -hmm. who i'm my my guess if she's not barbara she might be the the poisoner oh uh, or something yeah that's right lacoste yeah um who also i remember in the novelization because i think i read it a couple of years ago then um, properly um is the mother of the assassin the the poisoner woman is the, in the oh. in, so i think it, there's there's i think that's basically like a conceit to be able to get a letter sent from one character to another fair dues okay I'm, I'm very i really like i mean i get that at the time when the targets were coming out in the 80s you couldn't watch the stories so you would want it to be quite close to what was on screen but reading now, the most rewarding ones are the ones that differ quite a lot. I agree with that, oh, actually. Yeah, the ones the ones that are just like the script the, with a few he said, she said. I mean, the Terrence ones are great mm. and they were fantastic. They are like brilliant in terms of how they're written and everything. But I think that reading it, them in 2022, I'm much more interested in the experimental um the, the what have we got we've got there's the romans which is quite expensive the gunfighters as well gunfighters and the myth makers is brilliant because the myth makers i think is told by homer oh it's really funny isn't it who is like i think he's going from camp to camp and sit and 
sort of recounting what you're seeing in the, in the Trojan camp and the Greek yeah. camp. Um, I, I remember preferring that one actually to uh, the Romans because I think at least it's all, I think it's told all through the one voice. I might be wrong, but I've got a um, one a, a strange early, I've got a strange early 90s sort of book with a silver cover where it's they've got half the gunfighters and half oh yeah figures. they did quite a few and, of those yeah yeah where they choose like two stories that complement mm -hmm. each other i think you've got like the robots of death and face of evil or something like that um it's just like with the the latest one that they brought out you know the terence dix volume one and volume two and it's mm. just you know four novels that you've already got in a new set with a four yeah. i was desperate to get hold of that my <laughs> went to me no you've already got those books you've already got them separate yeah. <laughs> i mean the um the new uh hardback of doctor and the daleks or doctor who and an exciting adventure with the daleks oh, yes. um the lavishly illustrated which has come out but that i'm getting for christmas um i know that i was reading about in doctor who magazine that they're going to do that with a few other planners if that sells well they'll do it with a few more targets oh i hope so that would be amazing imagine keys of marinus illustrated mm. oh keys of marinus <laughs> i hope they just do the consecutive stories just do edge yeah. of destruction Marco Polo. Oh, that, that would be awesome it's actually something like edge of destruction in terms of illustrations you could really go to town with with the because that that I think makes, I think the edge of destruction novelization makes the whole entire interior obviously massive and it's like kind of like gothicy and steampunk. Yeah, isn't it? it's... and I, I think that's a Nigel Robinson one who, I think his novelizations flesh things out just the right amount without veering too far away. But again, you say like that's that's quite experimental compared to what you got on the screen. Mm. And it's more about, I think some of the latter day Sylvester McCoy novels as well, like Remembrance of the Daleks and Curse of Fenric, they're really strong as well. Although it's probably worth remembering that the um the ones that are authentic to what's on screen, for the ones for the stories that are missing, that's a mm. really nice representation of what we're not gonna see. So something like yeah. the Abominable Snowmen and Abominable Snowmen like one, yeah. 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 And I think I think it's very interesting when you see how, like the modern, like um, twice upon a time was one, and I've not read that. It was that any good? It it's very. I remember thinking I, I loved it, and it, that's a very Terence Dixie type one. Uh huh. But in, in a quite a cozy way, in that it was like embellished in certain areas, but it's basically what you get on the screen. Whereas, um, uh, Dear the Doctor. Is the most Moffat thing you could possibly read. Oh, that's why I've avoided it like the plague. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> or, yes, it's very told through various narrators and not the narrators you'd think, and all, all this sort of thing. I'm sure it's uh, like devilishly clever. I bet it's really mm. smart. I, I I went to, um, I don't know if I, if, I, if I told you actually, I went to like, uh, like a um, it was the, it was the Terrence Sticks tribute at Riverside Studios. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. And Stephen Moffat was there speaking, and I think he wow. he, he spoke about the the the, the, the Doctor novelization. I was only there; I could only be there for about two hours, and I had to had to go. I think it was a train strike, and um, Stephen Moffat mentioned about he wrote Dave the Doctor the novelization, knowing right this is my last time writing anything Doctor Who. I'm gonna go completely to hell with it. Go completely off the rails. It's going to be absolutely batshit crazy, and um, I think he was quite happy with what he did. But I think it, he 
it's not very restrained. And I think that he was like, right, it's my last Doctor Who, oh, whatever. Fair enough. Greatest hits. You know, I remember um, Rossi Davis and Stephen Moffat. Uh, man, we got well off the rails from the demons here, but who cares? This is interesting. Uh, <laughs> they they were interviewing each other, and uh, Rusty Davis said, "Oh, I read Day of the Doctor, and it was the like the smartest and cleverest and funnest um, novelization I'd ever read." And I thought, "What have I done with Rose? I've basically just written what's on the screen." Mm. And then Stephen Moffat goes, "Well, I read Rose." And he went, and I was like, oh, this is such a brilliant elaboration of what was on the screen. Mm. Why the hell have I gone batshit crazy with Day of the Doctor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they both liked each other's approaches. I love the Russell T. I love the, the one of Rules um, and the fact that I think it gave Mickey a bit more. Mm. Uh, Mickey's little group of friends and everything. And I love the fact that the um, London Eye come spinning off of its uh, hinges oh, oh, yeah. and ended up in the Thames. Mm, I forgot about that, yeah. Oh my god, what's going on in the rumors? I've completely lost track. <laughs> I think um Nero's entered entered the story. Oh, isn't he wonderful? Derek Francis. <laughs> Has there ever been a hornier character in Doctor Who? The River Song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like there you go. Talk about Stephen imagine Moore. imagine them two in a room. <laughs> the screen could not take it. No, don't. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that that box set, the big finish box set, where it was um, Alex Kingston? It was like River Song slots herself in midway through. Oh yeah, web the web fear. the web of fear, yeah. and um, I think she was in Carnival of Monsters and an Earthly Child or something. But imagine it would be a lot of fun. Her in the Romans. <laughs> imagine her. She, she's having another adventure with like Nero's just walked off and he's talking to River Song in the next room. Imagine playing out these scenes, but with her chasing Nero because that's what <laughs> happened, isn't it? With River Song. Oh, that would be hilarious. I know when I heard that box set was coming out, I was like, Oh, they're running out of ideas. Because... Have you listened to her? No, not yet. So I'm going really like, especially the one with. I quite like the the Web of Fear one, but obviously the poor guy who's who I think's passed away now who played the soldier. Yeah. Doesn't sound an awful lot like he did when he was thirty. Well yeah, it's fifty years later, isn't it? <laughs> I don't I don't think it's very convincing that it's sort of set in between. But I, I love the the idea of these little adventures in between in the middle of other adventures. You know, you said earlier about the celebrity historicals. This is the first one, isn't it, really? Having mm. been such a big when you, yeah, because you've got, well, I suppose you've got Marco Polo. Oh, sorry. That, <laughs> like, yeah, that, it's called I think, Marco Polo. <laughs> I think this is the one where I think it, it's almost like, right, we're making a celebrity. It's like that is, whereas really the way that he's, the way the doctor is of Marco Polo is quite a bit like, oh, what's this? savage doing taking my yeah, caravan away he just wants to get away doesn't he whereas here yeah here he's just like he's, he's like um chris Eccleston in that handsome cab with charles dickens oh and i'm quite there um, saying he's quite a fan <laughs> it's it, it's like this it's just he just it's just reveling in the the chance to be there did you hear hartnell just then he's going um uh oh I, I can't imagine they were talking to me no it must be a case of mistaken identity or something <laughs> like that and then they find a body and they're like, oh, shit, we're in deep. <laughs> I, love, I love how that body's an example of, um, we can't, we're not going to get the same actor in, let's just have the knees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to pay him for two weeks' worth. 
I mean, there are some stories, you know. I don't know if you've ever seen the Dominators with that uh, double of Patrick Trout and that on location. Mm. Carrying the carrying the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this I think this is quite a nice subplot with Ian and I forget the fella's name. Delos. Delos. Yeah, I feel like I reckon. What what else is that the actor being in? He what in a Doctor Who? Yes. Oh, I'm not sure. Well, I have a look. Oh, I know Space Museum. He's one of the guys with the crazy booth on her. Just a couple oh, of there. I think he's the scaredy cat one, isn't he? The one he's who... a scaredy cat one, but I think he has a fight with Ian. That's right. Yeah. Like I when did. he's trying to get the TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. History, which is actually only a few weeks later in terms of. I'll ask you, Peter, have you ever seen uh, such terrifying stock footage of lions? Well, the. <laughs> They're just minding their own business, aren't they? <laughs> oh no! Oh bless! I like how they can't find one piece of stock footage that's quite menacing enough, so they just think, right, let's just get four very quick shots in quick succession. Just cut to William Russell because he'll sell mm. it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, look, I completely lost what was happening in the Romans and that because I was so busy listening to you and talking with you. I will try and <laughs> try and keep us on track in episode three if I can. Um. Are you ready to do that? Yes, let's right. do it. Let's do it.